Thank you for tuning in to the Living Truth Church podcast. We're glad that you're here. If you'd like more information about Living Truth, you can check out our website at livingtruthchurch.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but the best way to connect with us is through our Living Truth Church app, which can be found in any app store. Now for a message from the Word of God. We hope that God uses this teaching to impact your life. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. And... Uh, I want to just thank, thank all of you, uh, probably a lot of you, I don't know, did anybody love this, anybody here from second service that just loved it so much coming to first service, you came back for second service, first service this week, anybody? No, they'll, they'll all be in second service. Hey, but it shows, we thank them for doing that, all right, if you're watching right now, getting ready to come to second service, we thank you for coming and doing that. Uh, some things I want to say, we got a lot of folks who are serving, we appreciate what you're doing. Uh, everybody wave one of these at me. And if you're here with us, you don't have a bulletin. This is the bulletin. It's got notes. It's got a lot of other announcements. We'd spend the rest of the day and that giving you all these announcements. We want you to look at that. But also has a connect card. This is very important. The young lady just a minute ago, Danielle, talked about this. And this is how, not just how we get to know you, this is how you take next steps. So um, we may, we, as the church grows, we're going to need to go back to having like, a kid's service in the first service. I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're going to need to do that. So if you're willing to serve one, worship one, we need you to do that. We used to do that when we first went from one service, two service. Now we've got three services. It's time to bring that back. Uh, serve one, worship one. And a lot of people do it, uh, but we can use you if you're willing to do that. Uh, also, we have a, a, a I'm, I'm stumping right now. We, we've got a ministry called Access Ministry for Families with Special Needs Children. And we need your help. COVID hurt us. We had great, we had a lot of volunteers, but COVID, people didn't come back and help serve as much with that. And so if you'll just take that connect card and write access, that's it. Hey, I'll be willing, I'll be willing to hear about it. Just tell me what it's about. I need to know more about it. Maybe I'll help. This is not a commitment. Just say, let us talk to you about it if you have questions about that. Uh, We have Tons of other ministries that are happening right now. You're just, if you say, I, I want to get involved with men's, women, or men's, women's ministry, whatever, let us know. You'd like to get in on that. Uh, we had a group yesterday doing a bunch of good stuff in Pensacola. And uh, you just w- say, I just want to be on one of those road groups that just goes and does something. Let us know. Just fill out the car. We'll get you in on it. Because everything that we're up to, we don't always announce it, you know. Because uh, there are some, as I'm sitting here thinking about, there's so many different things that your group or a small group is going and doing, and you're just going to have to jump in there if you want to get in on that. So uh, that's how you do that. So uh, I'm going to pray for us uh, as we get in it, because I don't want this message to fall on deaf ears. I don't want, I, I know there's a danger of it falling on stony hearts too. And I want to pray that we're, it's landing on soft hearts, hearts that will say, yeah, if God says something to me this morning, I'm going to hear it. And I'm going to do something about it. It's, the, it's really the, the, it's the prayer that I had when I was in college. I would show up, come in home on the weekends and hear the preacher. I'd say, I need him, Lord, to say something I need to hear because I'm at college and I'm not, you know, I'm, in, I'm just, just y'all know. All right. So I, I need help. So I, I want you to pray that prayer this morning. You say, God, you know what I need physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it may be right now. I need you to speak to me. Y'all say yes. All right, we'll pray. Father, we just pray right now, God, that this message lands on softened hearts, even if they just got softened about 10 seconds ago, Lord. I pray that they will land, Lord. I pray that this message will not be on deaf ears, that you would speak to all of us plainly and clearly, 
because you are the God who sees and the God who provides. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we are getting back into Revelation. We had one week off of that. Uh, and chapters four and five in Revelation expose us to what's going on in heaven. So I'm just gonna give us a quick review just to bring us back. So God, we see that God is in control when we get to look up into heaven and there's a whole lot of worship that's happening uh, right before the lamb opens the book with the seals in it. And two weeks ago, we read as six seals were broken and judgment on the earth began. So Revelation six ended with, who can stand? And really, I, really, if y'all were hanging in there, if I was paying attention, he left us with a cl- cliffhanger and we didn't come back next week. And so here we are, as we move into chapter seven, we will see why we read the whole Bible. It's a reminder of why Israel matters. God hardly hides his affection for Israel. It's not even funny, really. I mean, he loves Israel. Listen, you, you don't believe me. There are plenty of scriptures that give us a clue of God's relationship with Israel. Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 10, it says, When the Most High, that's God, gave to, all, gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. That is the sons of Israel. But the Lord's portion is his people, Israel. Jacob, whose other name is Israel, his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him, he cared for him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. (laughs) Y'all heard that phrase. All right, Israel is the apple of his eye. Get over it, Gentile. (laughs) Just get over it. It is. It is what it is. Israel is the Lord's portion and the apple of his eye. And you can't talk about Israel without talking about the covenant or covenants. You see, God's all about covenants. God is the promise-keeping God. Amen? Aren't you glad? You know, men make contracts, and they what? They break contracts, don't they? All the time, right? Contracts for us, just a piece of paper. Uh, Communities and countries, they work well when people do abide by the contracts, right? That's why people want to come to this country, because there's a day and time when we kept our contracts. We, we, We said, you know, we signed it, meant you had to do it, and, and, and all that. So that's, so it's good. It is, it is good. I, I believe people want to come to this country. I don't know if they'll necessarily mess this country up because I think they're, they know they're leaving bad, right? So we need to keep our covenants, but I'm getting off track. Okay. Uh, obey the law. We like it when people obey the law, you know, and, and God, God has his laws because he knows this is a good thing, right? So the first covenant between God and man was with Adam and it had two parts. The first part was of innocence in Genesis 1, 26 and 30 and chapter 2, 16 and 17, where God clearly made mankind, get this, male and female in God's image. Just right there, clear. Uh, They were to rule over the animal kingdom. They had a divine directive to reproduce and populate the whole earth. This is your job, man and woman, to do. And of course, eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil carried the death penalty. I mean, it's pretty simple, laid out stuff. The second part of the covenant was found in Genesis 3, 15 through 19. God made a promise to the man and woman after their sin, which carried both a curse and uh, amazing grace. God put enmity between the devil and the woman and her descendants. 
She'd have pain in childbirth. Is that true, lady? Yeah, check, okay. Uh, there would be marital strife. Oh, that's, oh yeah, check, okay. The soil was cursed, check. I mean, all these things. Uh, now they would deal with thorns and thistles. Anybody ever had a sticker? Yeah, I mean, check, all this. Uh, life would be a struggle. Yeah, they got shirt, T-shirts that say life's a struggle, right? All this, okay. Work wouldn't be so much fun. I mean, to this, sometimes it is fun, but not all the time, right? Death would now be promised to all living th- uh, things. All, check, 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 all these things. And then despite, though, all of the bad news, God hid a promise of grace in there. In Genesis 3.15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, God promises payback to the serpent and an offer of redemption to mankind. One born of the woman, the seed, Genesis 3.15, will be wounded in the process of destroying Satan, the serpent. The seed prophesied of Jesus, who would one day crush the head of the serpent. And he came right on time, as Galatians 4.4 told us. Furthermore, we read in 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. Jesus came for a purpose. First day, that is in the fall in the Garden of Eden, God provided an act of grace, a stay of execution. The man and the woman were supposed to die when they ate that tree. And you notice they did not die right then on the spot. I know a lot of us are probably that way. Aren't you glad there's some time or two when me, you're a little scared of a lightning storm because some things you've been up to, you know? I don't know about you, but I could have I and should have been taken out several times. I am thankful for God's grace. But here's the thing. God's judgment has been delayed a long time. But It's coming. As we're reading in Revelation, it's coming. I want to keep this theme of covenants rolling as it plays out in history in the Bible. In the Bible, God mentions the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, but then there is the destruction of all but eight in the flood years later. So the flood is after all this. And shortly after that flood, men, you remember the guy Nimrod I talked about a couple weeks ago? Shortly after that flood that men led by Nimrod, they wanted to build a city of their own without God. Would you say that's today? Would men want to build a city? Yeah, they want this country without God, don't they? So that had to be of the devil. Because you see, God has intentions, as we read in the end of Revelation, God has intentions to build a great city where all his children can live with him eternally. See, God has great plans. And here's where Israel comes in. You see, God needed a people to raise up this seed. They weren't just going to come from out of the blue. A descendant, he needed a descendant that would one day crush Satan. So he picks a man, Abram, before the name change. And God brings him up out of the country where he lived, where they worshiped the moon god. So I just, I'm just telling you that because Abram wasn't here where they were, the one place where they all worshiped God. They worshiped the moon god in the community that he lived in and God 
picked him out of there. See, the thing is, if God didn't pick somebody, nobody gets saved. God makes a promise to him right out of the gate that he's going to be a great nation. He's going to make him out of him a great nation. He's going to have lots of kids, and, and, and there'll be a blessing to all the nations. And, and if anybody curses him, then they'll be cursed by God. That's why that little place is still sitting there with all the people that hate him around him. You ever wonder about that? And he makes the covenant official in Genesis 15 through 17. We don't have time to go through all that. It's a great read. It's awesome. You see, God committed to keep that covenant through his boys, Isaac and Jacob. God promised to make them a mighty nation with the land and a king and an, eternal, an eternally blessed people. Besides Genesis 15, 18 to 21, I gave you. Here's a couple of other verses. If you want to write this down. 2 Samuel 7, 10 through 16, and Jeremiah 31, 31 through 37. These covenants were all unconditional that meant that God would keep them no matter what the people did. They couldn't screw this up. So these covenants are still in play for Israel. These unconditional covenants are why we are still talking about Israel in the book of Revelation. But let me take us to another covenant God made with his people Israel. This one was conditional. They needed to do something to get something. In Exodus 19, five through six, we read, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. After delivering Israel from Egypt, bringing them through the Red Sea to the mountain of Moses, Mount Sinai. God promised to the people that if, condition, if they obeyed him and they kept his covenant, they would be a people for his own possession and a kingdom, a priest and a holy nation. Now this was a conditional covenant dependent on their obedience this Mosaic Covenant was unique in that it was a teaching tool to lead people to Christ. Christ was always coming. Look up Galatians 3, 24, the end of the chapter. It was never a means of salvation because salvation is never by works of the law, as Paul writes in Romans 3.20. Even back then, they didn't work to get it. But rather, by a grace through faith. Again, as Paul writes, a Jew, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Israel broke the covenant. In Jeremiah eleven ten, you can read that, that, that. There's several places, but by their conduct. And, well, I'll read it. Jeremiah eleven ten. they have returned to the sins of their forefathers who refused to listen to my words. They have followed other gods to serve them. Both the house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken the covenant I made with their forefathers broke. So because they broke this covenant, 
they forfeited the blessings offered in that one. However, in Romans chapter four, we see that Paul explains that Abraham was the father of three different kinds of descendants. He's the father of many according to the flesh, that is Israel in general. He is the father of those who believe who are not Israel, that's Gentile believers. And he's the father of all who believe and are of the nation of Israel, Jewish believers. So you can see all that in Revelations 4, I mean, excuse me, Romans 4, 1 through 12. While the nation of Israel broke the condition of old covenant and unbelief, those of Israel who would believe in Jesus are called out. As Peter says to them, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In Revelation 1.6, John points out that the church is a kingdom and priest to, the God, to God the Father. This includes both believing Jews and believing Gentiles. The second, the second and third kind of descendants of Abraham described in Romans 4, 11 through 12. So the only descendants of Abraham not qualified to become a kingdom and priest were the unbelieving covenant-breaking Jews. These who believe are referred to as a kingdom and those who believe in Jesus are transferred into his kingdom as we read in Colossians 1.13. Believers are also considered priests in that we are interceding on behalf of people that might believe in the Lord so, so that they might believe in the Lord. The, those who are called a kingdom and priests are obligated to proclaim his praises. As he has brought us out of darkness and into marvelous light. Israel, here's my summary, long introduction to Revelation this morning. Israel matters because God built a relationship with a man named Abram and brought up the seed who would become the savior through that lineage. He is the lion, the lamb, the king, the one who Revelation focuses on. It says it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So chapter six went like this. The lamb was slain, looses the seals of the scroll, and we see the corresponding judgments that take place upon the earth. Deception by the Antichrist, war, death, and famine culminating with holy terror as we described as the sixth seal is broken. The sky is vanished, like a scroll, every mountain and island was removed. It's, it's like the sky is falling in. And so chapter seven, that we're in today, comes on the heels of that question, who can stand? And we read, verse one, it says, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. It's almost parenthetical situations. John sees these four angels holding back the winds of the earth that they should not blow on the earth nor the sea nor any tree. You know, it may not sound a bad, like a bad deal if the wind's not blowing there's on the day. There's certain things that you would rather the wind not be blowing on, but you don't really want to wish for that, right? Because you're out there, you're out there fishing and you're like, man, this wind sure is bothering me. When the wind stops, the gnats come. 
the skeeters come, right? I mean, that's just what happens. So the wind's not a bad thing. Verse two, then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. There's so much happening at one time that John, imagine you're John trying to write all this down. <laughs> He's seeing all this stuff. What's what, when's this happening? You know, so it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's so much happening one sometime, at one time that John has to pause to show a different dimension almost of what's happening is what it seems like to me. See, here's what we see. God is sending judgment, but he is still in a saving business. Did you hear that? God is sending judgment, but God is still in the saving business. So he puts a safe covering over the earth to see the trees and those that he, he is sealing as his special ops to get the gospel out. One last time. Then we read verse uh, four through eight. This is, it says, I heard the number of the, the, the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000, and it names all, these, all the different tribes, right? I'm not gonna read all that for time's sake. But let me just tell you right now, this is not the Jehovah Witness. It's clear that it's talking about Israel, all right? And I'm just going to fast forward through that. And this is why he's really being distinct. Listen, the 144,000 are unmistakably, distinctly, definitely Israel. Can I say that without, it's absolutely positively. You know, you ever had somebody say, I'm absolutely sure, maybe. You know, but that means that, that maybe, takes, there's no maybe in this. There is some foolish teaching out there called replacement theology where some think that the church has replaced Israel. That's baloney. In fact, that has led to anti-Semitism. I mean, really, I don't know if you do your church history or whatever. Martin Luther did a great thing with the Protestant Reformation, but he also had a little hand that could have led some teaching that actually led to the Holocaust, things like that. So you can, you can do some history on that. Christians in the crusade, it wasn't always a good, it wasn't a good thing. There's a reason you don't call, you, if you go to Israel, you don't call yourself a follower of Jesus, not a Christian, because they don't necessarily associate that as a good thing because of this right here. Now, I just laid a lot of stuff on y'all for you to read. But anyway, men may have theories and conspiracies, but heaven doesn't lie. I think we're getting our information from heaven right here. That's, this is Israel it's talking about. Amen? Scriptures tell the truth. In chapter 7, Israel reemerges right in the middle of the action. The 12 tribes of chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, refer to all ethnic Israel rather than the church. The church was raptured. The church, the church wasn't even here. Okay, there's one more thing. The fact that the tribes of Ephraim, I'm going to give you a little stuff here, because if you read all those names, you're like, well, well I thought that name... The fact that the tribes of Ephraim and Dan are not mentioned in this list does not require that the text be interpreted symbolically. By the way, the Old Testament did not have one standard way of listing the actual 13 tribes of Israel. What? What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he Read Genesis 48.5. Yet only 12 names are normally given. In Genesis 49.28 and Exodus 1, 1 through 4, Joseph is is noted as one of the 12 tribes that includes Levi. However, in 1 Chronicles 27, 16, and 22, the list includes the two sons of Joseph, uh, 
Ephraim and Manasseh and excludes Levi. Thus, in Revelation 7, 8, Joseph could stand for Ephraim since Joseph received two tribes, his two boys, and only Manasseh is mentioned here. The fact that Dan is not mentioned in verses 5 through 8 is not unusual. Dan, along with Zebulun, is not mentioned in 1 Corinthians 4 8. I know everybody's not interested in this, but I'm just telling you because it's, it's, it's good and to know that this is definitely speaking about Israel. Um, let's see. Yet, even with Dan's absence, the listing of the other tribes is normally taken in Chronicles in a literal way, literal way. Some speculate that Dan was omitted in Revelation chapter 7. Now, it's speculation, all right? because of that tribe's idolatrous history as narrated in Judges 18.30 and 1 Kings 12.29. Others credit its omission to the fact, the view, not fact, the view that the Antichrist might come from the tribe of Dan. There's some rabbinical teaching that believes this to be so. But see, God has not laid aside the unconditional covenant he made with Israel. God hasn't given up on Israel. Aren't you glad it doesn't give up on you? Paul writes about Israel's role in God's plan in Romans 9 through 11. The church was a mystery to the Jews in the Old Testament, but it's revealed to Paul as he discusses it in Ephesians chapter 3. God's plan was that believers, Jews and Gentiles, come together, but the Jews largely rejected the gospel. I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. The distinction between the church and Israel cannot be denied. Something's going on, and we see it in Revelation chapter 7. Israel appears 75 times in the New Testament, and it's about national Israel. There are no lost tribes. God knows where there are. Ezekiel 36, 19, God intervenes because of his name. Luke 19, 41 to 43, Jesus wept over the city that had rejected him, and thus they were blinded for a time. How long is that time? Well, Romans eleven twenty five tells us that they are blinded until the fullness of the Gentiles. After the last Gentile is saved, the rapture comes, and he's going back after them, all right? 2 Timothy 2, 19, God knows the number, the fullness of the Gentiles, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who knows the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And back to Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. John describes the large crowd he sees surrounding the throne in white robes with palm branches in their hands, reminiscent of Jesus' triumphal entry on the Palm Sunday, crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is Hosanna part two, as the angels, the 24 elders, and the four living creatures fall on their faces before the throne and they worship God, expressing all kinds of blessings toward him as John sees this. Verses 13 and 15, blessings toward him as John sees this. Then one of the elders addressed me, John says, saying, who are these clothed in white robes and white 
and wherever they come from, I said to him, sir, you know, and he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne and will shelter with his presence. John recognized that these folks, which suggests, John does not recognize these folks, which suggests they're not the church. So when pressed by one of the elders, he pushes back for him to answer. It, and he's, it is those who were martyred during the great tribulation. Their, their blood was shed for their faith, but like all who are saved, we are, and they will be washed by the blood of the lamb. Everybody that's saved is, saved is washed by the blood of the lamb. Amen. It is the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross that saved before the cross, after the cross, and well after the cross. That's the wonder working power of the cross. They were ministering before the throne of God. Now we find that ultimately these are to receive all the rights and privileges of God's redeemed people. At the present time, they were not allowed to come into the scene in chapter six, the fifth seal. Now that they come in, they come in a serving capacity, serving in his temple day and night, whereas the church is reigning with him and the promise to the church is that they would reign with him unto him that loved us and purchased us with his blood, we shall reign with him. There, there are several, there, they are, there, these are serving him there in the temple of God and he that sits upon the throne shall dwell among them. Now we see this coming out of that great tribulation indicates that they were martyred. So we'll eventually read where the Antichrist requires everyone to receive a mark to buy and sell to live. Sadly, anyone who takes the mark of the beast will be denied eternal life. Those who don't receive the mark could be executed or easily starve through starvation because they can't buy anything. While these are horrible conditions for those who convert to Christ during this time, we see that a lot of people are saved during this time. Now, there is a reason to believe that only those that will be saved after the rapture are those who had never heard the gospel before. For instance, I've heard some good theologians make this comment. If you're living right now and you reject Christ and the rapture happened today, you won't have a chance to be saved. I can't say, I don't know that I'm all in with that, but I'm gonna tell you where this verse is. Next verse is coming. I'm real close to being all in with it. Listen to what he says. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 12. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false but had pleasure in unrighteousness. With the church gone, y'all listen to me, with the church gone, the Holy Spirit restraint out of the way, the activity of Satan is in full force, utilizing all false signs, disinformation, and wonders. God allows him to throw his whole deceptive plan book, playbook in, at, at those who are perishing. Who are those who are perishing? Jesus told us in John three sixteen, those who don't believe the Son of God. That's who the perishing are. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you, you're condemned already. That's who the perishing are, those who don't believe in Jesus. Because they refuse to love the truth, Jesus, and so be saved. Here's what God is going to do. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So if all means all, then if you 
heard and you rejected Jesus Christ today, rapture comes now, he's going to give you, he's going to let you go the direction you want to go. Listen, it's like this. You had the chance. You made your choice. Now God is going to help you keep believing the lie. He's not making, you, you, that's what you chose. And he's going to help you keep going that way. God will allow them to be duped because they did not want to keep the truth. But there are a bunch of people on earth today who have never heard the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. Today we shall call them unengaged, unreached people groups. During the tribulation, the gospel will be declared by the 144,000 that have been sealed. It will also be declared by angels. We'll talk about that in Revelation 14. And among the billions who have never heard the saving grace of God through Jesus Christ, there will be many who will receive the witness and the message of the 144,000 and of the angels and will be saved, martyred, and brought into the heavenly scene that we're talking about today. They will be a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and languages. People, yeah. Verses 16 and 7, as we close out, they have hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb is in the midst of the throne with their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Who can stand in these horrid conditions? Believers coming out of the great tribulation were standing. Those who were sealed with the seal of the living God this seal is promised to all who conquer by faith. It's all good. There's, they will suffer no more, it tells us. The Lamb will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear. There are going to be a lot of tears in those days. No doubt, no food, no water, on the run, suffering persecution. Listen. You can't do the gospel without Israel. It's part of the story. The church escapes before the great judgment of the earth. And the Antichrist looks like he's got it easy peasy. And God drafts his secret weapon, the 144,000 left behind, formerly non-believing Jews, signed, sealed, and ready to deliver the gospel. The result, perhaps the largest harvest of souls ever. And we see the gospel stands the most rigid conditions known to man. See, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's power in the gospel. Before the cross, after the cross, during the great tribulation, our God is mighty to save. No wonder they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Listen, God will still be in the saving business, but it's going to be tough. For us, let's get the gospel out before the sky starts falling in. Oh, it's coming. For you, receive the gospel before it's too late. Let us run with patience perseverance, endurance, the race that is marked out for us. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let me tell you, let me, church, can I tell you something to you this morning? It's time to persevere. 
I know you're tired. I'm tired. But how tired do you think God is? It's not time to sit and quit, but rather it's time to get to getting. Catch your breath if you need to catch your breath. Come up for air and get back at it. I want, you to, I want you to chew on this. What do you have to do in this life that is more important than kingdom of God work? Oh, I know. Somebody will say, well, pastor, you're, you're, you know, this is your job. Let me tell you something. No, I had another job. I quit my job to do this. I don't think everybody, I don't think he calls everybody to quit their job because we need you where you're at for kingdom of God work. But don't think you're more important than you are. I will never ask you to do anything I didn't already do before God called me to preach. I've, I, get, I would go with any. I've knocked on more doors than anybody else, shared the gospel. I've, God's called me to go to weird, awkward situations, say, go talk to them, go pray. I, I've, I've done all those things. I feel like Paul's saying I shouldn't be saying these things, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I would not ask you to do anything I haven't already done. Personal. We got people that are new here. They don't know this. My wife hasn't been to church, but maybe twice this year. She's been immobilized, sick. It'll be almost, it's almost four months. I held her last night in our bed, cradled her, and she sobbed, saying, I just want to be there. She also said, I want to be making disciples. I want to get back at it. And I'm telling you, she's going to get back at it. Maybe you're, maybe you're needing to take a, maybe you're here and you're like, ah, I've been so busy or I'm tired, I got to take time. Look, you know what? Anybody know, I don't know if got any people watch college football, but every now and then, or they'll, uh, you'll watch some game, they have a TV timeout and they got a long timeout. If you need to take a TV timeout, take that. But don't get out. I'll not question you. I don't question anybody who says they can't do so. I don't question you. You know your business. But you be honest with God. You can tell me I got this to do. I'll be all right. I believe you. I'm not God. But run that one by God. We're running out of time. When the sky starts falling in, and it's, gonna, it's coming. You know, there's nothing in this book that said it hadn't happened yet. The first time it's wrong is going to be the first time. It ain't going to be wrong. What is God calling you to do? Now is your time to respond. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. 
we know that that's what happened this morning. And we hope and we pray that you know that as well, that we didn't speak words of men this morning. We looked at the word of God, the, the inspired word of God, and we talked about that. And we know that whenever that happens, whenever people come together and we hear the word of God, God is working in us. He's changing us. And we, we hope that you are ready to take some next steps as a follower of Jesus, maybe a first step as a follower of Jesus. And we've tried to make those next steps easy. So you can either go to our website, livingtruthchurch.com, and fill out the Connect card, which will have some different options for things that God may be prompting you to do. Or you can download our app in the App Store, Living Truth Church, and go to the Next Steps tab in the app. And there's some options with, with different things that God may be prompting you to do or pushing you to do. But whatever it is, we pray that you will take that next step as a follower. Because we we believe that if we're coming together and we're hearing God's Word and He's trying to to mold us into to look more like Him, then if we leave here unchanged, we've wasted our time. We, we know that if God's word is proclaimed, we should be different. And so we hope that you'll take those next steps and we would love to come alongside you as you take those steps. Um, right now, I just ask that you'll join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have together to look at your word and, and we thank you for your presence. God, I pray that you'll move in the hearts and lives of every person that's engaging with us this morning online. We pray that they'll leave here different than when they got here. God, we know that it's only you that can do that. God, and so we ask you to do what only you can do. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week.